welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I try to think of a different way to start this, but I guess the only way to start it is to just tell people that my name is C.J. Reynolds and you are here on Sunday afternoon because, well, you're the same kind of crazy as the rest of us that are here on a Sunday afternoon. The idea here, if you've never been here before, right? And I, I, here's, here's one of the things I'm learning in my life is you'd never know who's watching, right? That could be a lot of different things. That could be, and I'm not talking about in a creepy way where someone's outside of your house with binoculars on saying, I really like that new blue couch that you have. Um, I'm talking about in terms of, you don't know which, what your neighbors are, which of your neighbors is paying attention to what you're doing. You don't know which of your friends is watching what you're doing. You don't know what, you know, someone on the internet, like what companies are paying attention, what schools are paying attention, what admins paying attention. You don't know how your kids are watching or perceiving the things that you say and do in your life. And so I just think that this says a lot that you show up every Sunday to be a part of this community. If you've never been here before, my name is CJ Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And what that is, what Real Rap with Reynolds is, is not just me, but it's real talk amongst the community of educators that choose to be a part of this community. And what that, the special thing about that is that we are, we are the, 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 the crazy ones. You know, we, we are the ones that are showing up on a Sunday. We're the ones that are giving virtual and hybrid um, much. I mean, some of us are losing our hair over this thing, but we are giving it our all and trying to be the teachers that we feel like we were called to be. So what we do here on Sunday night, because this used to be at night, now it's afternoon. We didn't feel like changing the name. It's night some, somewhere. We are taking your questions. You can put them in the chat. You can, um, and then what happens is they get beamed to Texas, then they get beamed to New Jersey, then they get beamed to me, which is still in New Jersey. And that's how we answer these. First 30 minutes is questions in order. So if, if however they kind of show up uh, in order, and then the last 30 minutes of the show is like just stuff that, it's basically stuff that Edie thinks is interesting and that she wants me to talk about. That's what That's it is. That's not true. It's Don't basically what's that. happening. No, it's I trust both Edie's. of us. We filter like, All right. we try and just filter and see something that is relevant to whatever's happening in the world. Yeah. Or and it might benefit, I think, like a lot of yeah, exactly. So look, if this is um, not enough, you can go to my website, realrapwithrounds.com, find all the other stuff, the YouTube videos, the book, the mentoring services, um, the soon to come swagger, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I got some, got some stuff coming out finally. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I want to just read this real fast. Uh, De La Classroom said, Reynolds, big ups to you. A student opened up to me the other day and I just remembered how you said attention is more valuable than advice. Sometimes I felt much more comfortable with that situation, with the situation. I, I awesome. love it. I love it. Didn't yeah. she, did she DM us or was that? I can't remember. I forget. It was a little bit flooded this week. Yes. Um, I love that. That's, it's so wonderful because it's really like, I mean, look, they work. there's a lot going on right now in the world. And so to just show up and just listen to kids, um, to watch some of the stuff. So one of the shows your kids are probably watching, I was going to make an Instagram post about this. Cause as I find out things that students are interested in, um, trying to put it up. I think it's called, is it Blood of Zeus? You, you don't remember. No, Blood of Zeus is a Netflix show that is um, based on like the Greek gods. So like, 
and like how they came into being and all this stuff. And so that is um, something that my students are watching and we're reading the, uh, we just finished reading the Odyssey. So this is like something that's really interesting to them right now. And so they were like, you should watch this. And I'm like, all right, I guess I gotta go. I'm gonna go watch this show now. I'm gonna go watch the whole damn series because the students are watching it. Um, but that's what you do. What you got? Um, Chris Carson said, wait, did you get kicked out of the laundry room? Oh, I got kicked out of the laundry room. Yeah, because there's uh, actual laundry being done. My wife and kids are going to New Mexico for the week. Um, so they're trying to get everything done today. So I got, we're here in the study, a.k.a. <laughs> the living room. I have way too much laundry to do to stop. I understand. I can't training. stop production. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So what happens if you work out of your house. Um, all right, first question, and then I'm going to leave it up to you because Are you I gonna need leave to me? go do laundry. Yes. All right. I have to go do laundry. Um, you can do it. Kristen is asking or saying, I am, a teach I am teaching hybrid. I am having a terrible time engaging both groups in person and at home consistently. Uh, any tools or tips? So, Kristen, let's just note the fact first that this is an ask that what you're being asked to do is like preposterous. It's such a bad idea. Like the, the kids that are at home should not be just tuning and watching you walk around the classroom and doing stuff. It's like, it's, it's just a bad idea. Um, I, I, I don't know, maybe people are, are winning with this. And so I'm, I'm going to first put this out to the group. If anyone feels like they are winning or at least not drowning in the midst of hybrid learning, could you, shoot Kristen the message and just let her, her know, because it seems particularly difficult. Um, cause you're doing two places at once. And when our job is to win engagement of students, that is, I just think that that's difficult. So what I would try to do, I, I think is, um, one, go easy on yourself because this is not something that is easy to do. And it's not something that really makes sense. It's not a model to me that makes sense. So, not being great at it is like, that's okay. Um, the next thing I would say is, I think a couple of things that come to mind are, one, is there some sort of like, and I don't know what your setup is, but the immediate thoughts are, is there some sort of project-based situation that you can do where you're matching kids at home and at school or connecting with one another, like via Zoom or something like that, right? So like, all of a sudden now everybody's on a computer doing something because that's, that's how they're interacting. Two, um, com competition-based. I think the competition works really well. Uh, I know studies show that it's like male students um, really are, are competition-centered, but I think younger kids as well get really excited about this idea where can you have at school and at home kids like going against one another. It's, you know, the the virtual versus the in-person kids. Um, and then as much as possible, is there any way to sort of create stuff so that students are working on their own or working in small groups? And maybe that's just virtual. So it's like they are doing some sort of Nearpod or Ed puzzle, like video and questions and answer or something along those lines. And then the in-person kids are doing it too. So you're really taking down how much you need to be doing in a given period and you're turning both sides to more of a virtual based idea and the part where you're just talking is far less. Um, and so you're going back and forth from like, 
all right, kids, you're going to do something that's on your own. And then you're going to come back and do this thing together with me. And we're going to have this conversation. Then we're going to go do this. And then we're going to do this. So you're sending them back and forth might be an interesting way too. But, um, it's a tricky question for me to ask you because I'm not in that situation. I'm strictly virtual right now. Oh yeah. Low battery. That's bad. That's bad. Danger. Will Robinson. Um, but those, that's my go-to thought on that. Uh, the Chris Chong is asking my buddy, uh, Hey Reynolds, I'm one in, in my one fully in-person class. 80% of my class is consistently shouting across the room, wandering around. I've tried a few resets and have failed. Um, they get their work done for the most part, but I feel like the resets in quotes are annoying the kids and actually making things worse. Any tips? So Chris, I, you know, it's interesting because I got this, there's someone in the Facebook group. Um, and if you all are not a part of the Facebook group, that's a resource that you really should consider being a part of. Even if you have to make a Facebook account just to be a part of the group, real rap with Reynolds teacher talk is, is fantastic. Um, and so recently there was someone in there that asked the same question. They said they're like literally losing their minds. And they felt like the other day they couldn't breathe. Uh, I believe on Friday that it had gotten so bad. My view on this is not, I don't know if it's pop, maybe it's popular amongst this group, but I don't know that it's popular at all because it sounds like I'm giving up. But here's my answer to this. My agreement, much like, uh, and I think Edie pointed this out to me, much like when the karate kid went to go meet with Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi, I forget the exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, the agreement is you show up to, to learn, I will show up to teach. That is my agreement with my students all the time. I tell my students that there is no reason to come to school if you're not wanting to learn, if you're not wanting to do stuff. And I, I take that responsibility and I take your, your presence very seriously because I will show up and give you everything that I can, pull out all the stops, be, as, be the best possible teacher that I can be so that you don't feel like your time is wasted, right? It's like if, I, if you came to my restaurant, I would do everything I can to make you have the best experience that you could possibly have. Now, I don't take that responsibility, fu that responsibility fully on myself, right? So like if kids show up to school and you don't like the class, you don't like the book, you don't like what we're doing, you don't like the activity, you don't like the students that are in your class, you don't like me, there's only so much I can do to address that. So if, when I have really challenging classes, which every once in a while, and sometimes it's for a season, sometimes it's the beginning of the year, it's like right around February, right before the holidays, things get kind of crazy because kids are dealing with a lot of stuff where like they don't know where they're going for Christmas or they don't know where they're going for Thanksgiving, something like that. That drums up a lot of feelings. Whenever I have this happen, I let guys know that, let, guys, because I teach all boys, if you don't know that, um, if you're not interested in learning, I'm just not that interested in teaching you. So I just don't like, it's like, here's the work, here's the assignment, here's what we're doing. Here are the parameters of what is allowed and not allowed in the classroom. And if you go outside of that, bro, we got to have a different conversation or you got to go, or, or we have to bring somebody in to have, or to talk with you, or we got to bring your mom in or some other teachers or something, because here's what's happening. When students, you know, misbehave and there's, look, there's, there's a lot of different ways to kind of look at what's happening here, but when students aren't kind of going along with what's happening and let's say you're giving it your a hundred percent, you're showing up, you're trying to be relevant. You have students interests in mind. You are crafting like meaningful lessons that are meant to engage and inspire children. Like, like I'm not saying this is because th this information, what I'm about to say is not 
for lame ass teachers. It's not for people that aren't putting in the work. It's not for people that have given up 10 years ago and are just mailing it in every day. This isn't for people that think that school is about um, dictation, right? It's, or, or being a dictator in your classroom. This is about folks that are showing up trying to partner with students to help them be the student or to help them like live the life and find the success that they want. If you're that kind of teacher that gives it your all, I do not think that if a student doesn't want to learn or doesn't want to listen or wants to do whatever they want, they need to be a part of the class right then, right? It's like th there needs to be other steps brought in so that we can figure out like, bro, why are you here? And when students are yelling across the classroom, when they are walking and doing whatever they want, look, there's, there's time for that. Right? I'm not going to say there's not. My classroom is a madhouse sometimes and I love it. It is like it is like teaching in the midst of something that is truly um, in the face of, of typical education. But if you're if we're trying to do something and you're yelling or you're walking or you're whatever you're doing is stopping other children from learning, right? I think that's a problem. There are I've said this a million times and I have it in my book. Um, that what we tend to do as teachers is look at the kids that aren't doing well, is look at the kids that are um, creating the most distraction among, in, in the midst of the class. And when we focus solely on them, there's all kinds of kids that are being left behind, right? That are, that are being ignored, that are invisible in class. And what you need to do is it give kids equal amounts of attention, right? That is, that is what we should be doing as educators. It's not just teaching the kids that really, really want to learn, that show up every day and education is their life. They know what their dreams and aspirations are and they know directly on how they're going to get there. And they're super fun to teach because they love reading or doing math or asking questions. And you're like, oh, that's a really great question. I love to ask that. Um, and it's not just addressing the kids that are wilding out all the time and being crazy in class. It's who are the other kids that are flying under the radar? The kid that got the ninth grade and reads on a second grade reading level because he's polite, because he sits there like this, because he doesn't cause a distraction. And those kids get overlooked. So I think sometimes it's about getting real with kids that are not doing the work. Bro, let me ask you a question. Why did you even come to school? What do you even want to do? Is this a part of your plan? Like, what do you think is happening right here? Like, just because you get the work done doesn't mean like that maybe the work slightly needs to shift, right? Maybe the engagement piece needs to be part of that. Maybe, you know, like you participating, you helping other, you, if you're done, if you're just walking around, help somebody out. Like we're a part of a community here, but what we're not going to do is do whatever we want in here, right? This is not like, I'm not like, again, I'm not the dictator, but you're a part of a community. Are you a contributing member of this community or not? And having that conversation with students and letting them know, because right now what's happening, bro, is there's all kinds of other people I can't get to because I have to focus on you all the time. And it will not happen. I care about you. I want you to have success. And I want you to feel like you can be yourself in the classroom. I want to figure out how you learn and best help you. But there's no way you're going to take this away, take away from anyone else. And that's what's happening right now. I don't even know if that's true. And look, Chris, I'd say this. Sometimes kids know what they're doing. Sometimes kids um, will, like, they are, they're being sneaky, they're being manipulative, there's something else going on there where they're like, yo, let's see what we can get away with here. Sometimes. I think other times, they just don't know. I think other times, I think some kids, 
that like, I just think of guys in my class that say that things are gay all the time or so, I don't know how everything's gay all the time, like all the time, everything's gay in my class. Um, yo, this, this music's so gay. This is, this assignment's so gay. Bro, could you check yourself before you start saying stuff that's crazy? Like, like, what if you have a, a classmate that identifies that way, right? They're like, oh, yo, my bad. Like, mo like I'd say 80 to 90% of the time, it becomes a my bad. Every time someone says retarded, this is retarded. This pen's being retarded. Bro, could you check yourself? Because you don't know who's in class or who they're related to or what their situation is outside of school. Like, you don't, you don't know. And they're like, oh, you're right, Reynolds, my bad. And I think that sometimes it, I would first err on the side of my bad. Um, and then if it, but if it's like a something else, it's handling stuff like that. Like have real talks with kids. Um, sorry, that was less, that was long, long answer. Um, usually my wife's here to tell me to wrap it up because I go too long, but she left me and now it's just me and the dog. Uh, Mr. James Pete, my buddy also is, everyone's kind of my buddy, you know, I don't know. Uh, how are you doing this week? How are your kids doing? How have you spent the week taking care of your kids? Uh, we spent a ton, ton of time this week in my fourth grade class talking about Philly and the election and just being good people. Are we dealing with what's going on? How are we dealing with what's going on in our background, in our backyard? That's the first question. So how am I doing this week? Um, really good. This was a hard week. Uh, the Clearly my co-teacher is not watching my live feed right now because she's texting me about the Odyssey final, but just saying. Um, so for those of you that don't watch the news, which I typically don't, um, there was a young man in Philadelphia this week that was, uh, was killed by police, young black man killed by police. And so that, you know, what, here's, here's the thing. Here, here's what I'm really learning this week, uh, Jim, is that, you know, there's the event. There, it's, it's this similar picture that we've seen, right? Like it is young black man and the police. When that happens in the community in which you teach, and I'm not here to weigh in on like what happened or any of that stuff, right? Like I put a video out about this the other day and people got really pissed off and they were like, how about you don't come at the cops with a knife? And I'm like, that's not what I talked to my students about, right? I didn't, talk, I didn't go into school and say, guys, look, we got to talk about knives and being near people. It's not, it's not the conversation. What, what I found though was that I had students that were there. I had former students that were, that, that, filmed the whole thing that were like, it was a moment in time and they put it on Instagram and like, that was a thing. Um, I had students who knew um, the children of that individual. I knew students that like lived around the block. Um, a lot of what was happening happened, like, so that incident happened just blocks from my school. All the riots that happened were like, happened in front of kids' houses. And so the next day it, it was like dealing with guys that were real tired because people were out in the streets and, um, and rioting and protests were happening all night. And so that was something that like directly affected my students. And so that, you know, what we don't think about, I think often is that because the news only shows the main area, but it's like, who saw that? What children were affected by that? What children were affected by something getting set on fire, somebody yelling in the middle of the night, you know, whatever's going on, these are real things that like affect all, like it, those, that ripples outwards. And so what I found this week was that, you know, I went in and I didn't even know about it until the next morning. Like it was like right before I taught, maybe 15 minutes ahead of time. And so I don't always know what to say, right? But as I've said a million times, 
your attention is more important than your advice. And I'd put this on top of there too. What does it look like to be a white dude that comes from like average blue collar, like middle-class neighborhood, like, you know, I've talked about my, where I grew up before and teaching in a place like West Philadelphia and teaching boys that have seen and been through a lot more than I ever will be in my life, right? I think it, I think it's showing up and not pretending it didn't happen, not trying to just get the lesson done because what we were actually reading at that day was supposed to be the end of the Odyssey, which is like completely violent. And it's like, I don't know that this is the time to go into this. So instead we talked about two things. One was um, like, what was your experience? Did anyone know? Like, what do you, what do you feel? What are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? What are you taking away from, from what happened? And kids shared. And my job was to facilitate that situation. My job was to simply listen, make sure that no one talked over one another, make sure if somebody didn't come through because we were virtual to say, bro, I lost you in that one part. Can you say this part again? Because I, I missed it. It blanked out after that. And then making sure that no one felt dumb or, or stupid or anything. It's like just making sure that kids are sharing what they've got. And then asking them like, what is their take on all this stuff? Like, so now like, this is like this thing that has gotten national attention in the last year. How, how are you thinking and feeling this and processing this? And like, just try it's, it was me just asking questions to get kids to have space to talk about stuff. Cause sometimes kids don't even know what they don't even know how to put into words, what they're thinking or feeling. And then if you watch my latest video, I talked about how we, um, shared songs that, were that spoke to how we were feeling, right? So if you can't put a, your finger on exactly what that is or what it feels like, and I mean, as adults, we still feel like this. It's like, here's a song that, that represents this for me. And that was amazing. It was a great example because kids didn't have to say it. They could show the Meek Mill and Miguel uh, performance from BET Awards. They could talk about um, little babies, uh, like a song that he did that talked to, spoke to black lives matter and stuff with the police and all this stuff. So it was really great. So that, that was a week. Um, and then, uh, Oh, two, when you're, when you're reading with your kids, how much of it is independent and how much do you read with your kids? So it's a Jim, this is sucked, 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 sucked being virtual. Uh, we usually read as a group. Um, or in small groups or independently. I can still do independent, can't do small groups, and I cannot read with kids on Zoom because everyone that wants to read their internet is, if their internet's trash and no one can hear what they're saying, it becomes more of a distraction. So what I've been doing is, if you're passing my class, so I don't say they're grade, but I'll say, all right, uh, next thing you gotta do is read these 10 pages and you're gonna complete this activity. So. If I say your name, you're allowed to log off of Zoom and go do it by yourself. So I say the names of the kids that are passing. And then I say, whoever's name I didn't say, you have to stay here with us and we're gonna read it together. And then I read it to them. I read the entire assignment multiple times a day and stop as we're going to answer questions, to ask other things. So it's more like kind of what we usually, the back and forth we usually have in class, but with a far smaller group and that we've had better success with that because you know it's, what it does is it's also, um, it is incentivizing getting your work done and having a passing grade because then you can go off and do whatever, like you can just get it done. It's like, it's one o'clock, 
have this done by 2 p.m. That's it. Show back, like, and I don't even need you to pop back into the Zoom. Your exit ticket, your proof of, of doing work is you handed in work. Congratulations. Uh, but kids aren't doing work have to stay on with us and have to answer questions with us so that we can ensure that they're doing well. Uh, which, you know, it is what it is, but we're, we're trying to do the best that we can. Uh, Lonnie Price is asking, I teach ELA 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and I only have my perspectives for my 7th grade. I have scholastic scope and love it, but it's not enough to use. Any guidance would be appreciated. So, Lonnie, I would say, damn, that's a good question. Um, I'll say, side note, uh, my perspectives, we got that this year. It's a textbook for people that don't know. I think it's pretty good. Like, it's actually, like, their online stuff is pretty good, and, like, the stories that they picked were pretty good, and the activities that are in there are pretty good. Um, I, I would say trying to find stuff, I would try to find stuff online that is a whole unit of activity, right? So like I've, so instead of reading the Odyssey, the novel this year, I found one, a version online that I could like put up on my screen. We could read it together when we needed to read it together. And then I just made up all the activities that went along with it. But you can find a lot of free stuff online. Um, I, and what I would do is try to, I try to, even if the story's different, right? So like when I used to teach ninth and 10th grade in the same year, the, the do now was the same for both classes. The journal entry was the same for both classes. The reading was different, but then what we did with the reading was the same. So let's say we read a part of a book and we turned it into um, I wanted to know that they knew what they just read. And so instead of answering comprehension questions, sometimes what I'll have do, kids do is I print out um, like comic book strips and there's all kinds of websites you can do this on too. But they would have to like take what was most important. Like if you had to, if I read the story to you and then you had to tell a friend and some friend came in late and they were like, yo, what are we reading? Like just, this happens when you watch a TV show too, right? Like someone was like getting a drink or going to the bathroom and they come back and they're like, Yo, pause it for a second. What did I just miss? And you're like, pretty much this, 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 this. You don't, you don't act it out. You don't say every word, but are you getting the gist of this? And so it's doing something like that, like creating a comic book strip. But if one class was reading Lord of the Flies and the other class was reading Night, um, I'd still have the same activity. The reading was different, but the activity was the same. Um, if I was going to have a video clip in one class, I made sure I had a video clip for the other class. And so... It's about hitting all those different markers, but you can have basically the same activity, but you're just swapping the reading in classes. And then um, I find that that helps a lot. So if you have more than one prep, it just works. If you're like, the do now can be the do now. The, like it's like writing is writing or reading is reading or answering questions or checking in. Like um, maybe journal entries are a little bit different for each class with regards of like what the outcome needs to be. But largely it's like if ninth grade is writing five sentences, I might say like eight sentences for 10th grade or something like that. Or make sure that you include, I don't know, uh, something about characterization, like whatever it is that we're learning. Um, but I think that that is the best move. And then that way you can find any text online and then you can start pulling these activities that you know, and, and there's a million of those things. It's like build, building things out of clay. I had kids the other day, we were doing reviewing for the Odyssey and along the Odyssey, your extra credit was to make a prototype action figure for whoever it was. So like the Cyclops, it's like find stuff around your house, make a prototype, not the finished product, 
of a of an action figure and then your job is to sell it to us when we go back to class the next day and so what that's doing is making kids look at the character look at what their capabilities are look at what their strengths are what their weaknesses are um look at where they live you can make like the whole set so if this was star wars you didn't just get yoda you got like dagobah system and like the, the whole set's there so um yeah it's just figuring out stuff like that but i could do that for any book i could do that for anything that i'm doing it doesn't have to be for that particular uh, that particular text um Ra Rawad, I think I'm saying that right. I'm a 23-year-old fresh graduate civil engineer. Wait, I'm a 23-year-old fresh graduate civil engineer, and all I really want to be is a math teacher. I'm really afraid of this career change. Can you give me some tips about that? So, Rawad, I would say this, man. I get it's, you know, being 23... Um, Gosh, I didn't even know what I wanted to be when I was 23. I just think it's important one, and people are going to say this to you your whole life, right? Like people still say it to me, like, I feel like I'm old, I'm 43. Um, but I get people that all the time, like, you're so young. You're so young. Don't worry about it. Um, but I, I'd say, look, if that's what you really want to be, uh, why, why not just go be it, right? So it's, you know, it's, it goes back to that Henry David Thoreau quote of like, uh, most men live lives of quiet desperation. And that's true. Like, as I've gotten older, um, it's really interesting. We just had this conversation with some friends last night where like, people I knew in my 20s that were vibrant. I mean, their life was full of vigor. They were on fire. They were so fun and explosive and you'd go to parties with them. There was reading something cool, watching something new. Um, to, to, like, had some kind of cool experience that they'd show up and share with you. And I feel like a lot of people are like that when they're younger, right? But as I've gotten older, 30 was a mile marker where folks started shifting and not being as much of, of stuff. And 40 is interesting because in my 40s, a lot of friends that I've had in the past are either, they're either like kind of have find, found some sort of contentment, which I think is good. It's, it's like they're good with the two kids and the dog and the house and the two weeks vacation and um, their, their job is good. Like it just, it moves and, and that stuff makes them happy. I think that that's an interesting space to be in. Um, it's not where I am, but it's like, I, I love to see people that are happy. They're content, right? That, that's, that's what they need. The other side of a lot of the folks that I know is like they they are they've been kind of broken right they've just they're like still working that same crappy job that they worked 20 years ago they're still married to you know old so-and-so over here or like their kids get on their nerves all the time or like oh we have a dog too damn dog he just stinks all the time or he does this or he just like it's like there's that that fire that was once in them is just like uh, someone threw water on it and they just went out and they're just not fun to hang out with. So, but I think that that starts now, right? Like the, the people that I know that are still interesting are the people that are always growing. And I mean like really interesting to me, not, I'm, I'm talking like, like John Lopez, most interesting man in the world, interesting, where they're like, oh, I might learn calligraphy or read The Hobbit in Latin, or I learned guitar, I'm taking guitar lessons, I'm taking, piano lessons. I started running. I do CrossFit now. I'm writing a book. I don't even have a publisher, but I'm just going to write it because it's something I want to do. 
It is, those are the people to me that I find that are the most interesting, but they took charge of their life. They realized that everything was a choice. And so they took, they paid attention to those choices and they saw what they wanted and they went after it. And when you, I think when you live like that, you, I, I think that that is a gift that you give to the world also, right? It is, um, it is something that people see in you. And uh, what was the, I think it was a John Wesley quote. I said it last week. I set my, I set myself on fire and the whole world showed up to watch. And I think when we do that, um, it is us being what we like. It is us living on 11 and then people will show up to pay attention because it's so fascinating to them. And I think that you can do that, bro. You're 23 years old. You're a civil engineer. Like you could probably be making bank doing that, but it's like, no, nah, I want to, my, where's my passion really is teaching. And so that's what I would do then. Um, Schmidt minutes, uh, is asking my admin is allowing other students core, uh, to pull students out of my class for music or, oh, okay. My admin is allowing subjects, core, core subjects to pull students out of music class to make up work. Students are falling behind in my class as a result. Would you approach stopping this trend or create a better environment for everyone? I would, I would say this, um, if I taught a, a class that folks felt was less than, right, which it is not, right? Let's just get that on the open. All classes have the opportunity to be core classes, right? Whether it's music or drama or woodshop or whatever, like if the teacher gets after it, those can be as important as any other class. Now, math te teachers that aren't very good could be like, you might have learned more in a drama class than you are in your English class. If your drama teacher is better, um, or if they put in the work or if they really pay attention. And, and I mean, everyone here should know what I mean by better, but, um, I would say, Hey, look, this is a great idea. I want that child to find success. However, I need to know on the front end, what days and times you're thinking to pull kids out because it can't just be whenever, like I need to check it against what we're doing because they're an integral part of the community in which we are creating in our classroom. You remove a member of the community, you take the captain out of the ship, shit, what are we doing? What are we doing now? You like, right? Or the, it doesn't even have to be the captain. It could be the guy shoveling coal. It could be the person that drops the anchor. It could be the person that's in charge of the lifeboat. I don't, I don't know what they're doing, but like you take somebody out and now you're, you're causing me to recalibrate in a moment that that is like, it's not fair to all the students. I'm trying to create the best class they've ever had in, in, in music, best music class they've ever had. Um, you can't just like pull a member of the band out while the band's playing a song. So let's figure out a time, but I still want them to be able to make up stuff. I, th I think that's important. Um, and so trying to figure that out and maybe, maybe that even just that makes them go, well, I could pull them at lunch. Or like, cause I do makeup work for my students it has to be before school, after school, during lunch. It is never during another class. You cannot get a pass from another teacher to come to my class. Um, and so that, I think that that is also teaching students to like, uh, to advocate for themselves and to figure out like, all right, you missed work. All right, let's figure it out. But like, it has to be in a time that's conducive to everyone. Um, but yeah, don't let them take your time. Uh, all right, random time. Uh, Edie's putting up in front of me, little space freckles. Uh, is, is asking, I want my sort of kiddos, wait, I want to sort my kiddos into accountability groups the next nine weeks to promote competition and incentivize groups turning in all their work. I'm not really 100% how 
to go about that, any tips? So first of all, I think this is a great idea. Um, I think anytime, I think creating incentives and competition really works with students. I've spoken to that even already today. Uh, I would, so I would think of it like this. Um, if you've ever watched the show Survivor, on Survivor, they have two teams that are usually randomly picked, right? They just like, it's like we just, you pick something up and it has like your buff, your little handkerchief in it that says the color of, of the tribe that you're on. However, every once in a while, um, they switch. Maybe it's one player switches. Maybe everyone throws their buffs back in and they get completely new groups. Maybe they are, um, it's like, the winning group gets to pick someone that's strong from the other group. And like, all right, now we're, now we're really honing in on like trying to build the best team here. So whatever you do, the, the thing that I would keep in mind is don't feel like you have to be married to that exact situation that maybe try something and a week or two weeks in, you're like, damn, I didn't really pick good groups or like these guys are crushing it. I didn't really think about that. Or I let these people pick one another. And it was all like friends that aren't really working well together. It's, building in incentives even then to do well, because then maybe it's competition. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know how food really works in schools right now with, with cross-contamination stuff, but like I used to give like winning groups would get like be able to eat cereal in class. I'd make microwave popcorn for them and bring it in the class. That was a really big deal. But you are, you can also flip those teams up and they don't even have to know that it's you that wants to like, you see something that's not working going on. It's like, uh, okay, this is totally part of my plan for the last, you know, I've been thinking about this and it's not, it's like something you thought on your drive to school that day. Um, we're going to rework these groups and here's how that's going to work. And so I would just take it survival style style. And like when you need to, you can flip it up that way again and just keep, keep that going. And that I think builds a level of excitement into it because you're not cemented into these groups. It's not these groups forever. Um, and th which can get kind of boring and stale. It's constantly moving pieces around like you're playing chess. And that's what I think school is a lot like anyway, uh, is not being married to any one thing. Um, Jace Jacob is asking, my wife is having a baby next month. First of all, can we just take a moment and say, that's fantastic. That's awesome, man. Um, any tips for planning for paternity leave? I teach ninth and 10th grade English all in person. Jacob, I think that uh, making it, Short and sweet is what I would do. Giving kids work that they can completely do by themselves that they probably don't need any help on that is like, is like, you know, reading stories, answering questions, doing a very simple product project or like creating a product or something, something that a sub is not going to have to like teach them how to do, but they already know how to do. So maybe it's like getting them ready for something. And then when you leave, it's like, all right, you all know what you're supposed to be doing. Go. Also, I, I've learned that um, two things are really important. One is letting your students know that you're leaving and saying to them, like, like look, we're about to have this baby. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, I, need, I need your help, though. I need your help to make sure that you're doing what you need to be doing, that you're paying attention, because um, I don't want to come back and you're failing. Then you're just going to make me sad, and I just had a baby. Don't make my baby. Don't make my baby sad. Don't make me go home sad to my baby, all right? And I find that that stuff works. Kids want to help in some way, shape or form and giving them that like kind of power, I think can really be interesting. Um, the, and the second thing is when you're off on paternity leave, do not do school email. Don't do school work. You never, ever, ever get that time back with your baby again. So it's just being 
with your family, being in that little cocoon of a house, enjoying the food that people probably bring over, um, and, and like that kind of stuff, those moments are really precious. And so don't get caught up in the school machine. Um, cause I, I think, I just remember thinking like how much help my wife really needed. Uh, cause I can't, I couldn't like feed the baby. I couldn't like, there's a lot of stuff I couldn't do. So it was like really trying to make my wife comfortable really like, cause she was the one that had to get up in the middle of the night to like feed or, or, or do whatever most of the time. Um, so it was like being there for, for my wife as much as I possibly could, uh, was like my, my contribution to the, to the moment. Um, oops, snap. That was a bad thing that I just did. Uh, Sarah is asking, uh, grade five and six classroom teacher in Australia on the other side of remote learning students have come back with mental health issues, behavioral issues, and are unstable to socialize. Uh, okay. Classroom chaos advice, Sarah. I think that this is, this is the, one of the biggest concerns we have out of this. I am not worried at in the least about students losing a year of education, like to have like really great education. I'm just not worried about it because I, because for the most part, everyone's dealing with that, right? It's going to be something that I think we'll, we will rebound from the social emotional impacts of the, of what we're going through from in here in the U S it is this presidential circus that's going on. It's all the black lives matter stuff that keeps kind of coming up. And, and, and a lot of the stuff, right. Let me say this is rightfully so. Um, it's dealing with, if you live in the West and the United States, there's all these fires. I know you guys had all the fires last year. I, I think it is the thing, but I will say again that your attention is more important than your advice. So here's how I would handle this. I think checking in with students regularly, um, whether that's once a day, whether, whether that's once a week, whether that's something along those lines is doing that. I would implement some things in class that I could even tie into lessons that it's like, we're going to watch a video about self-care. We're going to watch a video about, um, like bouncing back from stuff. We're going to talk about things like resiliency and grit, empathy for other people, uh, self-healing, self-help, uh, self-care, caring for others. Um, what are things that you do that make you feel good? What are things that you do that make you feel better? So one of the things I've been, I've been adopting for the last two weeks is a Sabbath. I've never done this in my life. Um, I've read about it. I've known about it. But what that really looks like for me is taking a day off a week. So I take off Saturday. I eat whatever I want. I do whatever I want. But I don't do any work for Real Rap with Reynolds or for school ever. Um, and I'm trying to give myself a deep break. So that could mean playing video games with my kids, watching a movie that I like, taking a run, taking a bike ride. Uh, it could mean, I don't know, whatever I feel like doing, gardening, like whatever stuff I want to do, hanging out with friends. Um, it is helping me to decompress, but I had to first, before I did it, plan for it, right? It was like planning for, well, what do I like to do? Like, like what do I have access to, especially in times of COVID? Like, um, so listening to music is something I love. Like there's always music on in my office all the time, in my classroom all the time. It is playing drums. It's getting beers with friends. It's watching funny movies or being mindful of what I'm watching, right? So like, I'm not just watching Fargo all the time, which is like, a, like a, the most, one of the most tragic shows I've ever watched. So it's do it's finding those things, but helping students identify those things too. Here's the other thing I'd say real quick about this, Sarah, is that, you know, I think as adults, we sometimes forget what kids don't know. 
Um, so knowing that it's good for you to watch anime for a few hours on a Saturday is good. Like you don't have to be doing something all the time. It's good to know for our kids that like homework is just going to exacerbate that. The kids don't know that we know that. So like limiting homework, it's putting maybe good books or good movies into our students' hands and saying, have you ever watched this before? Oh, dude, you got to watch this movie. And then, but being mindful of the kind of stuff that we are suggesting also. It's helping kids identify what are the things that you do that make you feel good, right? That like, that energize you, right? Not, and so it's talking to kids about getting enough sleep, eating the right kind of stuff. So like, can you just switch a couple of things in your diet that are like drinking enough water and getting enough sleep will have a wild shift on your, um, on, on how you feel. So I think that it is just sort of gently suggesting a bunch of these things because what we forget though, like I said, is that what kids don't know, right? And, and I think that that's really, really important. That's something you could share with them and could be really interesting. Like, all right, uh, and call, you could call, I would do it like every day and call it something like um, feeling good. Here we go. Bet, um, this is Mr. Rounds and I'm back with, uh, this is feel, feeling good with Reynolds. Sounds like a weird thing to say when you're in school. Um, but like good times with Reynolds or so, something ridiculous, right? I'd have like a moment. I'd have a theme song. I'd like interview myself. I'd set it up and be like, here's things that you can do to feel better about yourself. Um, or let's have a brain break or let's have a dance party in the middle of class. All those things doesn't look like it's going to help your class, but I swear it really, really will help your class. And it will pit you as someone that is unabashedly caring. There's no, like, it doesn't get lost in translation. You clearly care because you're doing this. Yes, uh, Miss So-and-so does this in class all the time and she's just wonderful because she really cares about what we think and how we feel and what's going on and like, you're showing that to kids because uh, love is a verb and so that, that's what I would do. Uh, Noah is asking, how do we talk slash listen to students about the election this week to help them make sense of the way adults are anxious about having to deal with their own political beliefs slash who we voted for. I know, I think that's a really great question. Um, I think that, let me, let me say it this way. Um, I have a friend who was in, uh, so look, I love our Facebook group. Front, on the front, right? I love our Facebook group. Every once in a while, something happens in there. It's kind of out of pocket. I don't really like it and I address it as best I can. Sometimes the people in the group know about that. Sometimes it's on low key and nobody knows about it. Um, there was an instance recently where a friend of mine was saying that her son really likes uh, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, but they do it in gym class every day. That's the class that he's in when they do it. He stands over with his hand on his heart. He says the Pledge of Allegiance. The gym teacher does it too, but the rest of the class doesn't do it. So she said like as a mom, so the, he was wondering if he should say something to the teacher, if he should ask the kids to please be quiet when they're doing this. Um, Cause most kids are on their phone or just like running around and carrying on, you know, being kids. And so she asked in the Facebook group, what should be done? And she met an enormous amount of resistance in there. Like people that were calling her a fascist, people that were saying you can't control other students. And it was like, no, I think you're missing the mark. Um, we're trying to, when I'm, what, the way I read it, and she's a friend of mine, so the filter's gonna be a little bit different because I know who she is, is a mom who's trying to help her son navigate life, navigate how he's going to enter into sight, how he's gonna engage with people when he doesn't agree with them. And I think sometimes as adults, you know, it's just so fascinating to me that we tell our kids to behave a certain way, but then adults 
behave a completely different way, right? When folks in my neighborhood are stealing one another's signs, right? So like if someone's not a Trump supporter, there's like, I have neighbors that are Trump supporters and like someone's stealing their Trump signs, right? Like, it's like, bro, what do you, did you really, wait for a quick second. Did you think someone was not gonna vote now? Cause they like, didn't see that sign. Like it, this is, um, or if someone doesn't like, you know, Joe Biden, they're, um, it is like, oh, you like Joe Biden? Done with you, don't even talk to me anymore. And so I think it's really important at this time for us to be talking to our students about how we can better communicate. And look, I'd say even both folks that are running for president, like the first presidential debate was a train wreck. It was like not active listening. It wasn't talking to one another. It wasn't working through problems together. It wasn't showing that we're trying to figure this out and we want what's best for our country. It was like, who's right and who's wrong? Who's on what side? And what's, if you're on the other side, I'm not talking to you. And I think that it's, really imperative at this moment to help our students to learn things like active listening, things like, and when I say active listening, what I really mean there is things like listening to someone's whole side of what they're saying before you think about your comeback. Being, and doing that so well that you can say, so what I hear you saying is, this is, should be the next thing out of your mouth. So what I hear you saying is you think, and then painting that picture without sarcasm, right? It is just, it shows that you actually listened. Then, having a comeback. Um, it's showing, teaching kids that you can get passionate, you can get fueled up, you can get pissed. Like that's, that's all right. But are you being respectful or disrespectful? Are you just throwing someone out? Are you dissing them in public? Like that's really important thing for us to teach our kids because right now I feel like a lot of adults in the US are not, they are not acting in a way that they would like if they saw their kids handle something or talk to someone, they'd be like, what are you, yo, get over here. We don't talk to people like that. Like we don't do those kinds of things. We don't take pe things off people's lawn, put that back. I know you like that gnome, but leave it alone, bars. Um, so it's, uh, it's teaching kids stuff like that. And because th they're the next generation, right? Like they're, they're next. And so what example are we leaving them um, is, is really important. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, here we go. I'm gonna try this name, I apologize if it's wrong. Raybol, Raybolak Ilwi. I don't know if I said that right. And if it was a train wreck, I apologize. But um, I, if, I, if people have not heard me say this before, vowels throw me off. I think I'm undiagnosed dyslexic and a lot of vowels, they just make my brain go, what, huh? What's going on here? Um, that's why my name is two consonants, CJ. I think that's, that was, there was something there. Uh, in school with limited resources, how do you make it work? Especially with classes that require labs. I, I love this question. And let me tell you why. I have never had all the stuff I've ever wanted ever. I don't even know what the hell to do. If, if I had a classroom with all the bells and whistles, I just don't even know what I would do with that class. It's like, uh, what, what's all this stuff? I'd say this first. Um, I'm, I don't have it. I, I'm not gonna be able to find it and put it in the chat or anything like that. Cause I, I don't, cause my wife's not here. But, um, if you go watch, I talk about this in the book also, uh, damn, I'm gonna, Phil Hansen, go look up his Ted talk, Phil, uh, P H I L Hansen, I believe is H A S E N his Ted talk where he talks about this idea that like when he finally graduated from college, he had some money cause he started working 
and he went out and bought all the art supplies that he ever wanted, right? Like the pens, the pencils, the paint, all the stuff. And then he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't know what to create. He felt completely like, like, like almost like a writer's block, I guess, for artists. So I don't know if they call that artist block or paint block, whatever the hell they call it. Um, so he was in a Starbucks one night and he was drawing on like, he's like, they give him these little courtesy cups. So he just went up and asked if he could have like a bunch of them, like a stack of them. And they said, yeah, go ahead. And so he drew a piece of a picture on each one of the cups and then he stacked them together. And in, in this mosaic, it was the, hand, the picture of a child. And so he realized like, what if instead of having all the things, what if I seriously limited the resources that I had and try to teach through that? And that has been my life's work. So like that, hearing him say that was just so profound to me and life-changing because it was like, yeah, that's what I feel like <clears throat> I'm doing as a teacher. So instead of getting resources, how about I figure out a way, I don't need resources. I don't need a desk. I don't need stuff. I don't need a projector. I don't need a smart board. I don't need laptops. We're just going to teach this old school and figure out a way to, because here's what you're doing. You're looking at what the kids have to learn and trying to figure out how do I get them to get that? How do I get them to learn that? So hold on one second. I was going to drink out of my fancy new cup. I'm going to show you in a second, but that's all it was clean at the moment. Um, so it's, it, that became to me like one reaching out to people to come in or just Skype in or to zoom into my classroom. How can I get other people that have means or that are good at something to speak to my students? That began like, all right, I don't have room in my classroom to do certain projects. Let's go outside. Let's uh, take sidewalk chalk outside and we're going to do this graphic organizer in sidewalk chalk on, on, the, uh, on the sidewalk. Because sidewalk chalk you can just get at the dollar store. Um, it was drawing on the windows in the classroom. All right, I don't have little whiteboards for everybody or for every group, but I do have like expo markers and we can just write all over the windows and it comes off. And really, any marker will come off of your window. Um, I believe, I want to say permanent marker, but you should check that first. Uh, and we just use Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, gets stuff off of everything. Um, we don't have whiteboards, so let's draw this on your desk. Right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make this Venn diagram on your desk. Here's markers for everybody. Just draw on there. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, can you write your name too? Yeah, go ahead. Write your name on your desk. Um, it was finding things like that that made it... it did, here's, what, here's the switch that happened. It went from, shit, man, I don't have stuff. I don't have a TV. I didn't, back in the day, didn't have a VCR. I didn't have the movie. I didn't have a laptop to show this on. And then it became, oh, I like this. I like not having stuff. What can I do when I don't have stuff? What can I, how can I still get the same outcome and to me, that's just so fun, right? That is, that is the essence of most of the music I grew up with. That is the essence of punk rock and it is hip hop culture is making something from nothing. Oh, they took all the instruments out of schools? What's the one thing that still makes music? The turntable, let's turn that into an instrument. Um, punk bands I used to go watch, a guy had three strings on his guitar. We're gonna rock anyway and we're gonna rock your face off when we do this. Um, so it is embracing that stuff, getting excited about it and then you start, I think you start looking at the things that are in front of you in a different way where you're like the A-team all of a sudden. You're like, oh yeah, some, or MacGyver, some duct tape, a toothpick, and a Q-tip, bam, we got a weapon. Like we can just start, don't make weapons in school, but like you, you see what I'm getting. Um, next question, uh, Minoic, I think I'm saying that right. Um, thanks to Edie for spelling that phonetically for me. Um, 
Do you have music on while you're teaching? If yes, do you think there are students? Uh, wait, if yes, how do you think your students experience this? How is it better than teaching without music and what kind of music? So it depends. I don't have music on all the time. Um, when I said that I was being a little bit facetious or a little bit like extra as usual. Um, I have music on when my students come in the room. I have music on at the end of class. I have music on when we are doing group work sometimes or if we're working on projects or the kids are making something with their hands. So maybe they're crafting something out of clay. They're making something out of Legos. They are drawing posters or tracing something. During that process, I like to fill the space with music because it does a couple of things. One, I think it creates a vibe in your room. So I'm really mindful of the lights. I never use the fluorescent lights overhead. I hate bright classrooms and that's just my own vibe. I have friends that are like, no, I want all the bright. I want it to look like freaking Field of Dreams out here. We're playing baseball in the middle of the night out here because it's so bright. Um, and that's their jam. I have to wear sunglasses in there. Uh, the smell, I always have Glade plugins and they're always for the season, right? So right now, if I was in school, I'd have something like fallish. Um, when Christmas comes, I have something a little bit more holiday-ish, like spring, it matches all that stuff. And then the music is usually, I just get uh, lo-fi beats on, so if you type in lo-fi beats or lo-fi hip hop beats into YouTube, it's this channel with the girl that's been doing homework for like the last 10 years on YouTube and her cat sitting in the windowsill. And there's all different versions of that. So sometimes I'll put on like uh, jazzy hip hop beat playlist. But what I want is I don't want words ever. I don't let kids pick music ever because it's distracting and everyone's just thinking about what song they want to put on next. Or they're sitting there on your phone or your iPod or your computer like looking up stuff. Um, you want to race all, all that choice. And the music, not only does it create a vibe, but it creates a level in which Yo, gang, we're getting a little too loud. I can't hear my jam. You're, guys, you're messing up. Yo, I'm trying to feel this jam right now and you're messing it up. So kids will, will if you turn the music up too loud, kids will talk that loud. But if you keep the music low, it's like being in a real chill bar where there's like a band that's not performing. It's, they're just filling the space with music and creating the energy in the room. Um, you're doing that in the room also. But not music all the time. Because I think it can, especially if you're doing like independent reading or something like that, sometimes it can be distracting to certain students. It really depends on the class. But I try and like, it's there to enhance the class, not detract from anyone's ability to do the work. Uh, Meatball Molly 33. Meatball Molly, you win uh, name of the day. Um, you get imaginary extra credit for that. Uh, how do you collaborate with someone who doesn't teach above or beyond like you do and they just take what you have and use it as if it's there. So I think that's a great question. Uh, so let me talk about this in two different ways because I think people could see it in two different ways. But before that, I wanna tell you that we got stuff coming out, right? I'm excited about this. Um, we got, we're finishing up finalizing these and then they're gonna be available on our website soon. So keep an eye out. We got teacher class off mugs, right? It says teacher class off on both sides. It's black, coffee mugs or tea if you're in England. Um, this is my favorite one. Teaching is a communal activity. My little face, drink out of my face. Um, nothing on the other side, but that's just in one side on block letters. I love that cup too. And this is a little bit significantly larger than this cup too, which I like. That one is a dog hair on it. Um, and then we got these journals made that are, say, sprinkled the magic on them. And then they're lined journals on the inside. I'm constantly writing in journals, constantly writing in notebooks. And on the back says, teach your class off with glitter all over it, bam. Um, and then travel mugs, these are so dope looking. 
teacher class off with the artwork from my graffiti artist friend, Aloyas, uh, on it. And then including on the top, travel mugs. They're, uh, I think it's ceramic on the outside, metal on the inside. Um, so I'm super stoked about that. Anyway, Meatball Molly. I would say, one, if you're dealing with a co-teacher that kind of isn't wanting to do what you want to do, it's figuring out a part for that person to play within the context of what you are creating, right? So it's like, look, hey, let's part, let, we're going to do this thing. I have this idea. We're going to rock this idea. It's going to be amazing. Um, I was wondering if you could do this, this, and this. And then you give them a, a, a part. They are facilitating small groups. They are moving kids around. They're helping you organize or, or like whatever it is, you're giving something that suits their kind of energy level, right? And look, the, the idea in teaching is, it, the idea anywhere is um, accepting people for who they are and not for who we want them to be. So they're not going to change because we hope for it, right? Um, so if you are, if you're in a band, let's say, let's say you're in a band and you're an amazing drummer, you don't play down because the bass player is not as good or the guitar player is not as good as you are. It's like, no, you play, you give it your all. You go full tilt. Um, and, and that's how it is. Like, and that's just how some bands are. But if it's not someone that you're co-teaching with and it's just like the other like English teacher that's in the same grade, um, I would say this. There is something to wanting credit for the things you came up with, right? So like when I, and I feel this sometimes, I feel this, this pull where someone will go, oh, you're doing what? Oh, that's an awesome idea. You have to send me that so I can do it in my class. And I'm like, ah, part of me is like, I want to use this for my class. Cause I'm like, I came up with it. It's kind of my thing. And now you're going to do it in your class. And then it's like, it's just like when you hear a song that you like on the radio too many times, it makes you not like that song anymore. So you're kind of taking my novelty away, but I would also say that one, Molly, you're clearly the kind of person that's going to have more ideas, that's going to go full tilt, that's going to deliver this thing in the way that it should be done. Um, just because someone else is kind of doing that thing doesn't mean it's awesome anyway. And the second thing is, uh, let's do, we'll do two more, Edie, um, and then, then I'll be done. Um, the, the second thing is what... What I would be thinking about is if education's only ever about students, what you're doing is you are providing the opportunity for students in another class, not teachers, for students in another class to have a great learning opportunity, right? To have a great experience while they're in the classroom that might otherwise be really boring if that teacher's not exciting, right? So you're not getting the credit for that. You're not getting no acclaim for that. No one's giving you props. Your name's not in the liner notes, but you are giving a gift to those students that aren't able to be in your class or in somebody else's class. And I think just spinning it that way makes you go, all right, if education's only ever about the students anyway, um, I'll hook you up. Here's, here's the songs, right? Go play the songs. I hope you can play them as good as, as my band, right? Like, I don't know if, uh, if, um, you know, I'm sure Dolly Parton felt some type of way when, uh, Whitney Houston sang that song for the bodyguard movie, but Whitney Houston, like, kicked ass singing that song. She did it better. And then other times someone will cover a song that's not as good as the original, right? And it's like, well, you know, I gave you the whole song, the chords, the lyrics, everything. You don't have to do anything. All you do is play it. That's up to you. So it's like going in and playing your version of that song to the best of your ability and just knowing that um, you're blessing kids in another classroom that you might not ever meet uh, with good lessons.
Uh, last two questions are, my pal Maisha Hutchinson is asking, when I'm grading assignments with writing components, the grammar is not well. Writing a simple sentence is for some is a struggle. Do you have suggestions on how I can incorporate grammar? So Maisha, this is a really great question. Um, I, one of my favorite scenes in a movie, and you can go watch this if you've never seen it, is the opening scene from A River Runs Through It. Um, you can also read the book if you want, but the movie really does a great job of cap of capturing this moment where uh, little kid's um, taught by his dad. He brings down a piece of writing, gives it to the dad. Dad makes a whole bunch of corrections on it. He goes, I want you to fix these corrections and I want you to do it half as long. And then the kid does it. Comes back, uh, guy does corrections, says, now do it half as long. And this keeps going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think there's something really to sometimes we give kids we want them to write the five paragraph essay we want them to write the seven page paper we want them to write whatever it is and we're only thinking quantity instead of quality it's like uh dazed and confused it's quality man not quantity um so in, my dog's gonna start barking because my kids are coming in um yo buddy so it's thinking about that and in with regards to that it is can you write a sentence. Can you tell me a story in a sentence, in three sentences? Can you have, instead of a five-paragraph essay, I want a five-sentence paragraph. That is elite. That is spotless. Um, and I think that that really works. I think also telling kids exactly what you're looking for. So there are times when I'm like, bro, if you're not capitalizing basic stuff, now I'm not even saying like things you didn't know were pronouns. I'm saying like somebody's name the first letter in a sentence, and you're not putting punctuation at the end of sentences, I don't even take your answer. Bro, I can't, I can't even read that. I'm, I'm supposed to decipher this? Uh, is this like, uh, this isn't me like trying to figure it out. Um, so it's handing stuff back to kids, but letting them know exactly what you're looking for. In this answer, I need five sentences. I need every beginning letter of that sentence to start with a capital letter, and I need punctuation on every sentence. If you do not give it to me like this, I will not take it. Because kids will be like, yo, I wrote five lines. Bro, do we have to go over the difference between a line and a sentence? Are you new? Are you new to sentences? Have you not learned these before? It's like, and that's my own weird personality, but like it's helping kids figure that stuff out, but being exact on what you want. And then if they do not give it to you that way, bro, I can't even take this right now. You need this. This is going to be late now. You got to fix this real quick. Um, and they'll think that's extra, but it's helping kids to do this. This is why I tell my students. Often students, and often black and brown students, even more so, or, or, or look, you can, I think you go a lot of different ways with that, right? But like, when I think about how my students are often told, speak when spoken to, and then are never spoken to, and that's not my own lines from Anis Mojgani. We have to teach our students to speak clearly, because given the opportunity, when you are allowed to share your story, your voice, your opinion, you do not want it lost in translation. You want someone to un- like there is no chance that they did not hear what you're saying. You want your story out there, your opinion out there and what you say out there. It's important for kids to learn that. Um, so I think that that's, that's one of the reasons I push that. So last question I have time for, cause I got to help my wife get ready for her trip is, uh, Violet Embers is asking, I have, I'm having trouble getting students to turn in work online. How do you get students to do their work online on time? Violet, one of the things that I do is one, uh, I time everything. Gang, all right, you're in here, awesome. You're in here, we're gonna play a little game while I'm waiting for dudes to get in, I'm taking attendance. Uh, 
But when you're in, here's do now. Do now, you have literally five minutes to do it. At the end of five minutes, I'm turning it off and it's a really simple activity. If you need more time and you're almost done, uh, I need to see what you have already so I know that you did it. And then let me know how much more time you think you need and we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, next thing is this activity. All right, this is a 10 minute activity. How, many, how much time does this take? 10 minutes. All right, I'm gonna put the timer on the screen. Um, you have 10 minutes and then that allows you to let kids know that like you don't, this isn't a forever project. If you want credit for this particular activity, you need to do it now and it's done this time. And if you went to the bathroom, you're going to miss it. But like, let me know, like in a private message, like this, ha there's, there's little, like there's, there's space you can give for kids where it's like, uh, Reynolds, my sister needs help. Um, logging onto the Wi-Fi, it went out on her computer. Um, I need to run to the bathroom real quick. Is that all right? I really need a drink. Yeah, bro, just hit me up in the chat. Let me know. And then we give you a couple extra minutes to do what you're doing. You're not trying to get away with something. What you're trying to do is stop the kid that's texting his friend and going, wait, oh, snap, what are we doing? Hold on. Oh, what do you mean it's doing one minute? Um, or the kid that's playing Fortnite, so it's trying to finish that particular game before he has to jump back into, into the lesson. Um, it... And so what you're doing is you're, you're doing that. And then what I try to do is first activity gets done while the second activity is happening. I'm grading the first activity. So grades are going in in real time and it's like jeopardy. Like you get points, you get money for answering that question. It's showing up in the grade book and then mom's going to see, Oh wait, zero. Wait, what are you doing? Yo, what are you doing up in your room? How come, why am I getting zeros on power school? Are you not doing stuff or Parents are emailing me I'm like, yeah, bro, I don't know what he's doing. Man, sleeping or his camera's off. I'm looking at a ceiling fan. I don't know what the hell's going on in there. But he knew what the deal was. And so I think doing that. The second thing is, look, I think it really has to do with getting to know where students are right now um, and getting to know what's going on in their life. When we do this, it is allowing us sometimes to see that someone not doing something. It's not because they're lazy, but maybe they're depressed. Maybe they are anxious. Maybe they don't feel like they can do virtual learning very well. Maybe they missed the directions and they just didn't hear it and they didn't want to ask you again because they know how you get every time that you don't listen to directions and you know their ADD gets the best of them though and they saw a squirrel outside and it was eating a pumpkin they weren't sure what to do. There's a lot of that. What that does is it does not give children an excuse for behavior. It gives a reason for the behavior and it allows you to, to pivot accordingly to help that student find success. Um, and for kids that are just not doing anything, it's like, all right, the other thing I do is try and build in time so that when that conversation does come up with mom, dad, or grandma, or whoever, it is, um, hey, how come my kid is a bad grade? How come they have F? How come, you know, is F? He's good in English. Why does he have F? Well, let me ask, like, so here's why, but let me make it clear to you all the things that are available going forward so your student can find success. I do office hours every morning from 8 o'clock to 8.45. Right, so technically school starts at 8 a.m., but class doesn't start till nine. But school hours start at eight, and I don't, but that's so you can go to office hours if you need it. I'm also available for office hours on Wednesdays at any time between eight and four. So all they have to do is send me an email or sign up using Calendly or Calendary or whatever the hell the website is called or the app. Um, it is, this is available as well. I'm also available by just sending an email. I'm also giving 40 minutes worth of work in an 80 minute period so that all students can find success. And even if it takes them twice as long to do it as it takes somebody else, that time and space is there available for them. So it is building in for kids, like just so we know, here's where we are, here's how it can get better. I don't do late work, I don't do makeup work, I don't do extra credit. 
Um, but let me help you find success going forward, right? Um, and then the last thing I would say, and I think I'm, I'm almost positive this is on my website. If you go on my website, realrapwithreynolds.com and you go to resources, I have a weekly tracker that my friend uh, Yonkers and I made a few years ago. And it's something that when students are not passing my class, if, you have, if your current grade is failing, you have to take this home every week or now it's fill it out digitally online. And then I need parents to sign it or to communicate with me like through an email that they got it and that they signed it. Um, and that is a way that I get so that parents know what's going on, right? It is very, very clear to them as to how their student is doing. And so on that tracker, it's like, what's your current grade in the class? It's a 60%. How, what assignments did you miss this week? Um, how could you have done better this week? So it's the student reflecting on their week, them knowing what they're doing. Because how many times do you get kids that are failing? They're like, yo, wait, I'm failing. Yo, I'm failing, bro. You have a, you have a two. You have a 2%. Uh, I don't know how that got by you. I don't know what you thought was happening right now. Um, but you're wondering why you don't have abs and everybody else in class has been doing sit-ups for the last seven weeks. So I don't really know. I don't, I don't know. Did you think it was magically going to happen? So it's about that communication piece, but not running yourself ragged uh, because you're putting these things in place to help kids find success. And I think that that's the biggest thing. So look, gang, that's the, uh, that's the end of what we've got time for this week. Um, I think I'm doing this next week, but exciting idea for next week. Next week, I'll be in Texas. I'm going to New Mexico for a wedding that's happening in Texas because it's right on the border. I'm also, the not-so-secret wife and I are meeting Edie, my helper that helps with this. And every, if you've emailed me, you've probably spoken to Edie. Meeting Edie face-to-face -face next week for the first time. Um, and that's really exciting, too, because we've only met her virtually. Turns out she's a three-dimensional figure, not two-dimensional. So that should be exciting to see. So it's going to be rad. Um, and that's it, gang. Um, if you live in the Clovis, New Mexico area next week, uh, hit me up. We can, you know, get a socially distanced coffee or beer somewhere. Uh, but that's it. I hope you have a really wonderful, wonderful week. Um, and that's it. Peace. Do you want to say anything before I hit these X's? Bye. All right. Good job.